What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Throughline Podcast. God, that music feels good, don't it? I like music that feels like melancholy, you know? You're like, yeah, I want to be happy, but at the same time, man, it'd be nice to just sit in and let it rain outside. Let's get a wood-burning stove going, make some soup, and you know what? Be like, eh, I don't know how I feel. Do I feel good? Do I not feel good? What is melancholy anyway? Yeah, I feel good, but then at the same time, I'm like, I don't know if I feel so good. It's like one of my favorite ways to feel. You're like, yeah, look, I'm not in a bad mood. You in a good mood? Nah, I'm not really in a good mood. I'm like, what are you? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just kind of like being. I think we put way too much emphasis on like having to feel good. Sometimes you're like, nah, I want to feel like shit today. That's how I'd like to feel. So don't talk to me. I'm going to eat cheeseburgers. I'm going to sit inside and I'm going to take a day to just be like, nah, life, go do something else. Uh, what's up, everybody? Jay Larson here. Thanks for tuning back into the Throughline Podcast. Uh, I'm not melancholy today. I feel great. I feel great today. Those are the best. I love, I woke up, no alarm. No alarm woke me up. I woke up. And I was just like, get up, go to the gym. And I was like, all right. You know what I did at the gym? Not a lot. Not a lot, guys. But uh, it was 6.30 in the morning. Got home, made breakfast for the family, made lunch for the kids. Oh, it's the best. And then you're off and you're out and you like get, I come over here to the office, I sit down, want to get this cranked out so I can go about the rest of my day. I hope all of you out there are having a great day. Uh, if you're out there on social media, Jay Larson Comedy on Instagram and Twitter, I can't, honestly, I don't care about Twitter at all. I really don't. I'll Instagram and I tweet through Instagram, but Twitter is just like, Twitter is just like a bunch of negative people and Instagram's like, hey man, I like this stuff. Um, and then of course, uh, my Facebook fan page, uh, comedian Jay Larson, I think you can check. They changed it on me. Uh, I think they changed it on a lot of people and also check out the Throughline podcast as a fan page out there. So much appreciation to everybody who's gone over there to check that out. And for whoever got that going, there's some admins. There are admins. When you admin a fan page, do you guys add that to your resume? I think that would be the first thing I'd talk about when I went into a job interview. They're like, oh, what's this right here? It says admin. I'm like, yeah, well, I manage a Facebook fan page. And like, oh, really? For yourself? Nah, I'm into this podcast. It's just something I do on the side. And they're either going to be like, wow, this guy's a go-getter. Or they're going to be like, oh, my God, who is this clown? But that's not me because I appreciate all y'all. Um, I'd like to give a shout out this week to Huckberry.com. Great uh, website for clothing, accessories, home goods, uh, gifts for friends. You know, if you're into booze, and you like a little home bar. They have great glassware. They have accessories for your bar, like tins, shakers, mixers, and then they also have like great blogs. Like you can go on there just to read about if you're into booze or food or camping. You know, this week is a good week to go over there and check out their camping gear because uh, winters, hopefully, I know they just got bombed with snow back east, but it's going to slow down. Spring's going to open up and out here it's about to be, uh, there's like flowers going bloom out here in California in the next week or so. 
So great. Grab some gear. Go hike. They have a ton of that over at Huckberry.com. Use code ThruLine at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. They got great stuff. And what I was going to say, what I was saying is they have blogs that can take you out. So there's interesting articles on things you might be interested to. And once you sign up, you get great emails with... And they don't bombard you. That's the best. It's not like you're getting emails every day. They'll send out an email, uh, you know about camping in Switzerland and you might be like, well, I'm not camping in Switzerland. Yeah, but you read the article and then you're like, oh, that gives me some interesting insight to other stuff. So go check out Huckberry.com. It's a great site, great people running it and they have great products on there as well. Um, I'm wearing socks I got from Huckberry right now and these pants, I guess. <laughs> not the shirt, but the pants and the socks, guys. Uh, special episode this week. I love this guy to death. First of all, I'm going to be up in Chico, April 6th, Chico, California. Always want to go up there. Had a buddy who used to, when I lived in this condemned house in Venice, who used to store his printing press for T-shirts in my back room in the condemned house. He went to Chico State. Never been to Chico. Heard great things. Looking forward to getting up there in uh, April 6th. April 6th. So... I'll be posting it as soon as we get the uh, a link for tickets that just got announced. So I hope if you live up in the Northern California area, one of my favorite places in the world, you come out and uh, come out and see me. So that's April 6th. This week's guest is one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, we shot a movie together called The Invitation. If you've seen that, you should... Uh, you know who I'm talking about, Logan Marshall Green. He was in the movie Prometheus. He had a great series on Cinemax through HBO that uh, I never got a chance to watch because we didn't have Cinemax. And he had a, recently had a series out on USA. He's always working, and he's got a new movie that he wrote and directed um, that we're going to talk about in this episode, amongst other things. I love him to death. I hope you'll enjoy it. He's a big camper, which is why I mentioned camping in the Huckberry ad, because... Um, we talk a little about camping. It's one of the things that, you know, when you meet people, you're like, what, what is this? Something about this guy I like. And then you start finding stuff out. And you're like, oh, once a year you go away for 10 days by yourself and you camp. I think that's probably the thing that I'm picking up on. So without further ado, please enjoy this week's episode with Logan Marshall Green. I don't know. I've not done this before. Uh, okay. Interesting way to start off. We're sitting here with my main man, Mr. Logan Marshall Green. And I don't know what this is, but I always do a mic check with everyone, and uh, you seem to think you have a better voice than I do. I have a disc jockey voice. Yeah, you have kind of a light, uh, small dog voice. Okay, that's that hurts. Small dog voice? Like what? Like a Pomeranian? Mm, yeah, like a Shih Tzu. Remember in Big Lebowski when he goes, uh, he goes, it's a show dog. He goes, I think it's a Pomeranian, and it's not not even close to a Pomeranian. Those are like the subtle jokes in that movie that people are just like, ugh. When's the last time you saw that movie? I don't know, but I could I could maybe go word for word the whole movie. I couldn't, but I love that movie. Oh, it's, I think it's top five all the time. Not comedies, all movies. I mean, the look when the ash goes into his face is burnt into my Oh, it's the memory. best. No pun intended with the the burnt ash. I like that. <sighs> Can I lounge like this? I mean, I can love I lie down? You are. Yeah, you are. This lying is cool, down. man. You know what I mean? I like this. Have you ever been to a therapist that had you lie down like that? Have no. you ever been to a therapist? Uh, yeah, I've been. To, <laughs> I've like, been. To, I've been to many a therapist. I don't think I've ever lied down. Why did they? Why did you? Why? Why not? 
I went one dude I went to in New York who I loved. He, he made would you lay down? down, and he would sit behind. You, you would lay down, and he would sit behind you and talk to you like you'd be looking up at the ceiling. It's like old school. <clears throat> old school. He was a psychoanalyst. Was that like? Was that mandatory? You had to lie down, or he could do his job. I don't. I didn't. I didn't mess with it. You know what I mean? I was just like, all right. I just lay down for an hour. Did you stare up at the ceiling? Yeah. Did you cry? I don't think I cried in there. I've I've only cried in, with one therapist. Everyone else, you just kind of keep it in. It's nice when you can say anything. You're like, what do I need to cry for? I I've only cried one time in my life, Jay. You're out of your goddamn mind. You cried at the coffee shop when they didn't have cinnamon. <laughs> when once do you do you cry often? I love a good I, cry, only if bro. I'm paid to. Oh my god, Logan and I. If you don't know, we did the invitation <laughs> together, and there's one scene. When we're eating dinner, I can't remember what happens, but you had to cry. Oh, the where's choicey? Oh my! I could, it was like, it was like, and we did six, seven takes, and it was like you're in the middle of a no hitter, and you're not talking to the pitcher in between takes. Like nobody <laughs> would talk. I knew I was. I'm like, I am not saying shit. I can't even believe that you're getting your, getting yourself to that place six times in a row yeah but we were all having so much fun on that thing it felt like i was the kid who had to stay inside and do violin lessons while y'all were out kicking the can yeah we were and you were going through like emotional like roller coasters and that's the thing that was the so that movie's intense as fuck and in between we would all joke around have a blast but during that scene nobody was we were just sitting (laughs) there at the table and nobody would talk to you and you'd go over in the corner and like We'd have to wait till your eyes dried up and your face was... It was unbelievable. And then, boom, you'd go right through it again. And I was just sitting there like, Jesus Christ, thank God they don't. I don't have to cry anywhere. Because I'd be like, <laughs> guys, can I get some mist? Do they do that ever? Do they give people, like, eye drops? I get, yeah, sure, man. That's, that's, that's in that the cards. Thing? You can get... What is it? Uh, menthol. You can get the, the menthol stick, you know? No, I don't know. I, if you... Uh, I, I, I've used menthol stick for, like, to look glazed over if you have like a coke look or a uh-huh. drugged or a tired look but I don't really use it for trying to you know manifest emotion but it, you can use it dude manifest emotion is that your fucking solo album that's coming out in the spring that's right baby manifesting emotion this is the, the new track off Green. of manifest emotion let me take you home tonight um so wait a minute how do you get yourself to a point to cry because people you know like those girls growing up that like they could just like they would do it at parties and like throw scenes and like start crying and everybody like oh my god and they come back like ah and everyone's like oh my god but i've it's not easy for people to just start crying well, i just i think about my father putting cigarettes out on me just, what if there's someone listening right now that that did happen to you fuck well they'd be a great actor better than me (laughs) (laughs) uh seriously though because like what do you do because i mean you know not everyone listening to this has ever acted before i know people say uh you do what is it replacement where you take the person that you're doing the scene with and replace it with something from your own life or i think everybody has different well i know everybody has different process yeah um mine's not method you know i was taught at nyu by a guy named ron van lu who you know used of course you wanted you to use you Mm -hmm. and what you know but it's it's always been about specificity of thought yeah and just getting specific with your thought you know because it's some people are great at manifesting emotion um and or 
just getting it from wherever they need to get it. Yeah. But for me, I kind of stink as an actor if I'm not being honest. So there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot out there. I think that's you uh, just in life. <laughs> You're just pretty straight up in life, don't you think? Stink. But truly, like if I fake it, it looks pretty bad on screen. I'm not a good enough actor, so I've got to I got to stay really close to that truth. Yeah. No. Okay. I like you that. Know? I uh, after we did the invitation because it was like a dramatic role, I was saying to my reps, I'm like, can you get me out for some drama, man? Like I can do it. I can do it. So they like. You did it in that film. You had a lot. Yeah, we you did. Had a lot, man. But I never like went. So they finally got me an audition and I, it was a drama and I went in and I cried in there. Like I got to the point I was crying and like it was I finished the audition and the whole room was quiet and like people were emotionally struck, if I might say. And the director just looks at me. She's like, Phew, you can act, man. And I was like, Phew. I was hoping you'd say there was a slow clap. It began. <laughs> They're like, you know, this is a comedy. I'm like, they said drill. <laughs> I didn't get it. Like she said, you can act, man, as if to say, like, that is definitely not what I'm looking for. But mm. that was fucking fun to watch. And I was like, oh man, it's not fun to do. But you know, you know, I don't, I don't know. I've never been like a big um, crier. I, I don't, I don't think that that if I'm using myself, whenever I'm emotional, mm-hmm. I'm stopping myself from crying. Yeah. So you ha- there's a few more balls to throw in the air, I think, when it comes to at least like my kind of male emotion, which is like hiding my emotions, yeah. which is what a lot of us do. And I think that that's more truthful than showing some tears. You See, know what I mean? that's weird that you say that because we were talking earlier, both raised by a single mom. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what happened. Like, I'm doing this joke on stage right now where I go, you know, it's weird. All my friends are getting older and like, oh, man, I'm totally turning into my dad. And I'm like, and my dad wasn't around. So I'm just like, well, I'm turning into this guy. I don't like that much. But what I'm really doing is turning into my mom. I'm like totally turning into my mom. dude. Yeah. Like I'm full tilt. Like I, you know, it didn't click to me that your dad wasn't around when we were sitting in the, your kitchen with your mom that day just ribbing your mom <laughs> logan's mom is i mean your mom and my mom would be besties and she right. i love just grilling your mom that day it was the greatest. she didn't know what she was walking into i no, loved it she had no idea yeah, that's why she likes you um so where do you get that did you still have a relationship with your dad so he left when you were how old uh my well oh, he didn't leave my mom left him kind of in the night with her you know two-month-old twin boys um and in the night you know kind of it she stole away essentially from him yeah and um knowing that she, that was the only way to leave was just to rip the band-aid off and so she for her or for him well i think for her and knowing the last time she left him he tracked her down to new york and then they made us uh that was a whole like stanley kowalski you know stella moment <laughs> She, you think I find you? Let's make two babies. <laughs> That's essentially what How happened. The f- what? Yeah. Where were they when she left then? Well, I, as far as I gather, the story goes, they were together eight years, never had kids. Yeah. She left him, went to New York. He f- tracked her down through friends. Because this was back in the... It was no, like, you can't check someone's Facebook post. Yeah, this is the 70s. And this is 70s in New York in, like, Westville. She's staying in some apartment that costs, you know, $3 million now. Probably yeah. costs about $2 then. And, yeah. 
uh, he tracked her down and screamed her name, you know, from below on the street. And was she that. was like, oh, shit, he's going to kill me. I need to be with him. Or she was like, holy fuck, this is love. <laughs> Knowing my mom is probably the, the latter. Yeah. A bunch of actor, director types. Those, <laughs> those crazy kids and so in then, the 70s. But she left him and then he like found her and was like, what? Was he like, yeah. no, listen, like. I love you. We need to be together. Oh, okay. He yeah, he was. Like, yes. He, no, he was like sending her like Rilke as far as I, 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 I as far as I've heard. Yeah. He was sending her poetry and, and really trying to get her back. And apparently we were, con- we were conceived. That night? That night. Yeah. <laughs> Green Street in New York. That's amazing. So, you know, what's funny. So my sister Kristen said to me once, I was the only one conceived out of love out of the four of us. Okay, and everyone else was just an attempt to keep the marriage going, and oh. you two were conceived out of passion and yeah. like it's and like uh, maybe stupidity, yeah, <laughs> and like want for romanticism to be real, you know? Yeah, I'm not saying it's not real, but well, I mean, you know, they definitely loved you, you know, loved each other. There was, you know, but they were um, individuals, and you know, they were humans, and they make mistakes, and yeah. My dad has definitely made a few, and so my mom was sick of them making mistakes and wanted to raise these kids on her own, and she got determined, put her nose to the grind, and did it. When you uh, were two months old. Yeah. Yeah, we, she left. We went out to Sullivan's Island in Charleston on a, in some you know shack near the beach, and you know her sisters helped her, and then we moved. To, you Wait, know. so you hid out there for how long? I don't know. I mean, I don't. I, again, it wasn't so much hiding as it was back then. It was a little easier to hide from people. Yeah. Now you can't because you know. Yeah. Um, cameras everywhere. I just you know it's, you have to be accountable. Yeah. Today. You have to, How many cameras uh, do you think picked up us? I know. Fifteen. One. Yeah, at least on the way from, from the coffee, coffee shop here. here? Yeah, yeah. Fifteen angles on us and what we were saying. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, man. I like the dimples in those shoes, by the way. Thanks, man. That's cool. These are natives. Are those natives? Yeah. I like them. What do you know about natives? Well, I know they now make shoes that look like golf balls. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, they're kids' shoes. They make kids' shoes. And all of a sudden, I found these one day at a store, and I'm like, wait a minute. Natives makes adults? And they were like, it was like a Nordstrom rack. They were like 24 bucks. I'm like, done. Should have gotten like the ones with like the Mickey Mouse bow on the front. Oh, I'm not a big oh. Mickey guy. You're not a Disney guy? Mm-mm. No? I mean, I've never been. What corporation would you say you love the most if you had to love one? McDonald's. It's McDonald's. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's other ones out there, but like, God, McDonald's is just, how, what, what are they doing over there? Putting sugar in it, man. Sugar in the what? The fries? Sugar in the, in the no, sugar in the, in the burgers. Really? Lots of sugar. God damn. That's, that's why it so tastes weird. so good. And I gave the kids this morning is a piece of toast with butter, and then I sprinkle cinnamon and sugar on it. Sup, player? <laughs> that's like, that's some old school. Well, better than McDonald's. They asked, they go, can we get another piece of toast? I'm like, nah, you're getting one, bro. Oh, man, I used to love cinnamon, sugar on toast with butter. Oof. Yeah, that's what that's I just great. said. I just said that's what I made. You, you didn't say you toasted, though. What do you think I did? I just smeared cold butter on there? Yeah, it's toasted. <laughs> I did say toast. 
You might have. We'll we'll know when we play this back. I'm not playing this back. What are you, the two of us are gonna sit here you and listen we're to going, it back? Yeah, we're gonna do a quality check of this. No, thing. I know the quality. It's not great. <laughs> it is not great. Quality control. QC coming in. <laughs> so yesterday, tell me, I'm we're, I'm golfing with some buddies. Yeah, I saw your green in regulation. <clears throat> you like that? And I go up to one of them who I don't know that well, and I go. Uh, What's up, dude? I heard you've been uh, exploring a little AP, huh? The last play? And he goes, <laughs> what? Who told you that? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, who told you that? And he asked if my other friend had told him. I go, no one told me anything, dude. I'm kidding around. He goes, oh, because I just told him that me and the wife have just been getting into it lately. And I go, did you just have a kid? He's like, I know. I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> and I was like, so then the rest of the day it was just. All about ass play? AP bio, baby. What kind of ass play are we talking about? Like ice cubes? Okay, guy who's definitely into AP, who drops ice cubes. No, we just, <laughs> I was asking. He never really told me what they were doing. He just said that, like, they were exploring a little AP, maybe, like, rubbing and moving around in there. I like that it's called AP. It's, it's a nice it. way to say it. <laughs> ass play. Ass play biology. Hell yeah. Wait, so let me ask. Back to, because I see it, you start to get a little sensitive, which is why you brought up the sneakers, so you could get off the fact that your mom took you away from your dad. Did you have any relate? Didn't you like go visit him and like hang out with him in summers or anything like that? Yeah, that was about it. Um, you know, I saw him like once, maybe twice a year. From what age? From essentially two months till you know so till the point, day he died. You know. So at that point, he was like, "All right, I get it." Like when she left that time, well, she it wasn't was like, the first time his wife had left him. You know, yeah. he had he had been married three times before my mom. Oh, really? Yeah, he had had seven kids before my mom. Holy he shit! He had a kid before my mom was born. God damn! How old was your dad when you were born? You know? Yeah, I think he was in his late fifties. Wow. Or sixties, maybe. And, and wait, was he a director? He was. Yeah, he of directed what? my mom in a Tennessee Williams. Play or and then they decide to live a Tennessee Williams play. Essentially, that's, right. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, in a great way. I mean, well, I think it's great that your your mom still had respect for him and stuff like that when she left and was like, "Yeah, you should go see your dad or what." Yeah, I mean, she knew that she was going to be doing the rearing, but um, it was important for us to s- understand who he was and see him, and he wanted to see us. I mean, he could only take about you know when you know when we were kids and were terrors, he could only deal with us for about a a day yeah. before he was ready to <laughs> he was happy that she had taken us and left but you know I, the, as we got older more mature he we were he was able to digest us we were more palatable to him and yeah and, and he was more palatable to us yeah you know? uh, we started saying oh this guy's actually an interesting dude and oh, has a really weird interesting life yeah what Just stuff was he into it. well he was you know, he was into everything. And yeah. when I say that, he was kind of this like kind of weird renaissance man, yeah. if you will, because you know, he was he went he went to Yale for law school, then immediately got into the bar and dropped the whole thing to become a director. He was into um botany, he had a huge conifer garden, one of the largest. What's a conifer garden? Well, it's a garden of coniferous plants, Jason. <laughs> Cone it sounds plants. like uh, it's a garden of limbs from humans <laughs> where you hide. <laughs> it's coniferous yeah. plants? Uh, yeah, coniferous plants. So he had these all these interesting conifers from all over the world, uh, all around uh, this um, large lake slash pond of his on his property. Where and, was that? Tennessee? Uh, South Carolina. South Carolina. So, but but near Tennessee. Um, and uh, 
you know, from that to he was a birder to he was a director, he was a writer. You know, he was a he was a, he was an engineer. He was a, a, a he was a marine at the same time. You know, through it all. He was he was a he marine flew in first. World too. So he was a pilot. Yeah, he was a fighter pilot. He was a lieutenant, uh, first class fighter pilot in the uh, South Pacific theater, and he flew the sexiest plane in all of American history. What was it? The Corsair F4U. Check it out, people. Yeah, Look it I up. definitely want to check that out. Um, someone post it for me if you if you find it. Let me ask you this. See, I think that men back then. Men, welcome back to Men Back Then. This is your host, the most melodic voice on the radio. Um, was those guys? He didn't have a choice if he was going to go to war. You well, he I mean? did because he didn't get drafted. No, he didn't get drafted because he um, he was an officer. He went to ROTC. Oh, okay. He was lieutenant, mm-hmm. so he was already enlisted. Um, but I mean, a lot of dudes like both of my grandfathers were in the war. And they were both very artistic and super appreciative art. And nowadays, I don't know, maybe it's just me and I have a blind eye to it because I'm not, I don't know a lot of military. Like, there's no military in my family anymore. Like, I feel like military families still exist. And, like, I have a friend whose son's in the military. But I don't know. I'm like, oh, are they, like, like, you think about Rob Riggle, who was a Marine and now is a comedian and actor. You're like, oh, are there are a lot of guys out there right now that are serving that have, like, this want to either be a, have botanist plants or whatever you said it was and, like, love poetry. I don't know. You know what I mean? I have no idea. Like, I always feel like there's such a, a line nowadays between manly and unmanly and why can't you be both? Like, at opening day for Reed's Baseball League... This kid who's like <clears throat> 14, they introduced him to come out. He did the national anthem on violin. Like he's a classical violinist and he's got this like he's in this. He did it in his uniform. And they're like, he hit the home run in the 217, 2017 championship to win it. And now he's going to play the national anthem. And I'm sitting there watching this kid and I'm thinking like when I was growing up, would like would your boys be like dude you killed it on the violin today like i don't know you know what i mean <laughs> i just thought it was like i was like so impressed by that kid to be like yeah i'm gonna get out here in my uniform with my violin in front of dude there was like i don't know hundreds of people there i don't know i just thought it was like a different uh experience that kids you know being able to blend like something that's considered manly and something that's not mm. you know what i mean like for mm. me it's never been an issue because i've always been this like femme dude because because of my mom you know well when it comes to the soldier i don't know much because i'm not a soldier and i have no uh i have no business even thinking i i know what's going on in any of their heads yeah but the mid-20th century soldier is far different i'd say than the late 20th century vietnam soldier Sure. To definitely the modern day soldier that you're seeing today, which is much more of a professional soldier. Yeah, good you know point. when, and I'm talking about from top to bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. Whereas you mean like as in that it's their job at least for a while because I mean I met dudes like at shows that were ex-military and they're like, yeah man, I I got out, I did ten years, and now I'm going to school and getting my master's or like whatever. And you're like, dude, you got it dialed in, man. Yeah, and you survived. But I got to say, even the modern day soldiers I've talked to, and you know, you can have great writers, and I played a lot of soldiers in well, my you, time. But the greatest 
you know, they're poetic the way they speak about war, the way they speak about the violence and the stakes and the trauma that they've seen. And again, these are just a few of them um, that I've spoken to, but it's it's quite it's eye opening to see um, how elegant they can speak totally and specific to events that allow you in in a way great writers allow you into the to the moment of war and what it's like yeah and so in a way they're still whether they like it or not they're poets and and they're also you know they're creating um they have many have for me uh, images and details and specificity of for thought um that you couldn't have gotten just by reading about it yeah Um, so, you know, would you because uh, I know you like when we first met, you told me when you got married, one of your one of your deals that you had put into your contract ultimately was that once a year you got to go away for 10 days off the grid, no communication. And you got to hike and camp. And there was that was a non-negotiable. And last week you were posting pictures from like Korea and stuff. Did you go? Did you go out recently, or those old pics? They were older pics. Okay. Yeah, that I just. Done, I, was, I feel like you haven't done it in like a. Last time I remember you doing it, you were packing up. Remember you were packing up, and you had all that stuff in your like, in that uh, like back garage room, whatever that was. Remember? Have yeah. you gone since then? I I haven't uh, gone hiking in a couple of years. It's I, it's it's a need now, not a want. Um, yeah. But you it, would go places where you wouldn't see humans for days, right? Yes. Yeah, you try to get off. I, I, I try to, I solo a lot, and I try to get off. I take the, the much less beaten path. What, I, I mean, so. uh, camping, like, is something I definitely want to get the family into. But there is, and I've, I've said to myself, like, man, it might be cool just to go camping one night alone. I, I feel like I, I would never sleep. I'd be scared out of my mind that I was going to get it killed or attacked, or I would be that one dude. No. I, I mean, I guess that's a legitimate fear yeah um I, I don't know i think it's there's more there's there's more freedom and there's more um reward than those kinds of small little I mean, bits of I, chinks and punishment that you put yourself through when you're alone yeah you know it's it night can be tough but night can be tough with other people too all um, right first of all you just said that you can't, like, you're not a soldier, and here you are. You know, nights can be tough <laughs> when you're out alone <laughs> camping. <laughs> um, what's any crazy thing ever happened? I mean, you go for, like, what, 10 days? I mean, and when I can. It used to be I'd go for weeks when because I didn't have kids. And yeah. there's your answer as to why I haven't gone in two years. I, I got know. two kids. And what about food? Um, well, food is, you know, food is, is what you make it. Um, it's what you... It's what you want to. It's what you want to hump, really. You bring dry packs or something uh, like that. Yeah, if you don't want to hump a lot of weight, which I don't, so you yeah. end up you end up eating a is lot that, of dehydrated. Is that a trail food. term humping. How much you humping on your back? I don't know. It's a, no. It's more actually more a war term. Humping, you know, humping that 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 sack. Well, know? it's also a fucking schoolyard term. Heard you were humping. Uh... <laughs> um, but you know, but you wouldn't hunt. You would fish. Fish, yeah. Uh, do you guys do the places I go, especially here in California, is great trout. Um, but, but the, cr- I mean, I could say the craziest thing is like some bear stuff that I've definitely, I've had a lot of encounters, um, not with brown bears. Um, so b- black bears and black bears are really just large rodents in a way. Um, dude, if a black bear heard you say that kind of shit about him, he would kick your, oh really bro? 
large rodent, check this shit out, and they just beat your ass. I, um, you know, the part of the black bear you see in, in the woods is the back of the bear because they're running away from you. Mm-hmm. And um, But I've had a few get a little close, and I've even had one, I remember, um, with eyes closed on a full moon, walk past the tent in front of the full moon, and I felt with my eyes closed the shadow through the yeah. nylon of the tent. And then I opened my eyes, and I could see its hairs sticking through the nylon. It was leaning up against the tent. Oh. And I always remember seeing these fine in the moonlight coming, because they're so fine, they're coming through the nylon. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or the netting, I should say, yeah. um, of the tent. Dude. But again, you make a noise, you bang a pot, they go. They're not. They're trying to get your trash, they're trying to get your toothpaste, they're trying to get anything right. that you've stupidly not put in your bear box. And in your bear box, do you hang from a rope? or what do you No, you can't do that. Well, it depends what state you're in. Uh, bear safety changes state to state. Some, you have to have a, California, you have to have a bear box. What's a bear box? It's just airtight, uh, no stink or something? Not like airtight, but it's just bear tight. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, you know, this right here, it's, it's, it's not airtight, but it's bear tight. All right. Janie, can you check him out? <laughs> Over at the, what are those places called? Like the the surplus stores? You got one right down here in Venice. Great surplus store. Great surplus store. Uh, wait, so what about the brown bear? Did you have an interaction? Well, I've, no, I've never seen a brown bear, luckily. I don't I don't think I want to see a brown mm-hmm. bear. Um, but I haven't done a lot of hiking up in, like, Alaska. Or what about Canada. snakes? Snakes, I mean, again, there's only like five types of poisonous snakes in America, so you don't have to worry too much. Is that, is that an official stat? That, I think, somebody check it out there, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, and let's see if I remember them. Shall we? Yeah. You want, should we go there? I'd love to. Now, if I remember, my dad taught me this, I think there are five North American, uh, or I should say uh, in the U.S., uh, five poisonous snakes. They are the rattlesnake, mm-hmm. the copperhead, the cottonmouth, the coral snake, and there's a fifth, I think, and I can't remember it now. Damn. Now, if you got bit out there, you're, that's it. It's over. I don't know. It depends what what bit you and how far you are from, you know, from yep. medication. True. That's like that joke, right? But I imagine at times you're like miles. Yeah. I I I rem- the the closest thing I ever had was pitching a tent on a rattlesnake that. I didn't realize it was there until the next morning. Oh, shit. And I kept hearing this weird like noise, and it didn't sound like a rattle because it was underneath the tent. Yeah. And when I picked my tent up and I was packing for the morning, I picked up the foot, you know, footprints of the thing under the tent. Yeah. It's like a, just a square piece of plastic, but it's just a footprint to help. Um, it's another layer. Just a, a, another layer, and when I picked it up, Outsquirmed this small but uh, rattlesnake that I've been oh, sleeping on the entire night. Dude, I, this is what I'm saying. I like, thought it was a cricket. It sounded like a cricket because it was muffled. I don't know. <laughs> I'm all yeah. good. Your dad was he was a camper too or no? No, not that I'm aware of. But he just was an outdoors. So when you said he was a birder, he's like an outdoorsman, but he was more of a nature guy. So he was a big birder. He loved birds. He understood their calls. He loved watching them. He loved feeding them. He loved nature. I loved nature because of him. You know, one of yeah. my favorite things was watching nature. I know, know, man. On PBS with my dad. Oh, for real? Like on TV? Like literally the show called Nature, which has been on PBS for many years. That's so, crazy. You know, I thought you meant literally like 
I mean, that's something I miss. I mean, that's why your place is so great now where you live. You're like up in the mm. mountains, essentially, in the hills, and you can feel like you're away. It's quiet when you get out of the car up there. Like, I miss I, that's the one thing I do miss, you know, about living in LA is like you just can't get away. Like, you can't just get in your car and drive and be away. But you can. You can be in snow. And everybody who's in L.A., listen. You can be in that snowpack you see above Pasadena and the Angeles Mountains. You can be walking in, in and snow half. in an hour and a half. No, I know. But I'm saying, like, where I grew up outside of Boston, even oh. if you were in Boston, if you just wanted to drive 15 minutes where you can dr- be in, like, you can get to Concord, Massachusetts in 20 minutes from Boston and be driving through fields and, like, through farmlands and, like, you know, just a place where you can just let your brain go, crank music and sing, you know? Yeah, Boston was is a mistake. No doubt. What do you mean? Yeah, what? I thought that's what your point was. No, I, I don't know what you're saying It's just like all. a big mistake. What's your problem with Boston, dude? With Boston? Yeah. Um. Well, um, I'm a Met fan. And, um, yeah. Uh, you know, I'd, you guys I'd, beat us in the World Series. What do you care? First of all, the big mistake is anything having to do with the Mets and their fucking pyramid scheme payroll that they're working on. <laughs> Unbelievable. Thirty-year-old. Uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, Jay. You're right. The biggest mistake I've ever made in my life was deciding to become a a Met fan. Yeah, and how did that even happen? Gary Carter, '86. But where were you? In South Carolina? No, it was in Rhode Island. I was amongst the Boston fans. Oh yeah, I had chosen hard. I, I went Gary against Carter the grain. Sold you? I loved Gary Carter. Rest in peace, number I eight, mean, the kid. Lenny Dykstra would have been my guy if I had to pick someone on that team. Lenny Dykstra came after I was already a fan, so he was. Um, I mean, he he came. You know, the whole Wally Backman. Have you read, by the way, the Bad Guys one? No, but I've heard it's insane. Anybody out there, if you like, if you like sports and you like good books, read the Bad Guys one. It's about the 86 Mets and mostly Lenny Dykstra. And, and cocaine. And, and, of course, strawberry good and cocaine, the whole thing. Who else? Um, I mean, oh, that's right. The strong, I give you the whole team. I mean, Doc Gooden. We, yeah, we Ron can talk. Darling. Ron Darling. Keith Hernandez. I, I mean, know. there's so many personalities in color on that team, and they were winning hungover and, 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 and having just been released from prison or jail. You know where Ron Darling went to college? Where did he go? Wait. Uh, did he go to BU? He went to Dartmouth. Oh, did he? Yep. I think I did know that, actually. I remember watching that World Series and, like, the announcer being like, Ron Darling, not just a good-looking face or a good ball player, but also a graduate from Dartmouth College in nearby New Hampshire. That's right. That's what makes him the one of the, if not the best, uh, color men, especially when it comes to talking about pitching in the game. Darling? Yeah, man. I pitched against Dartmouth once. Stop. I was three for three with a single and uh, two singles and a triple. Just save it for your next podcast. Nope. Playing right field, and they brought me in to pitch, and there was two outs, and I got a, I got a guy to pop up to right, and the kid who was pitching had to take right. You, you got a guy to pop up to right, or he just got on. I mean, I forced you mean, you the got, out, dude. I pitched it was the a, out to get us out of the inning. Well, he was a left-handed pitcher then, a left-handed batter then, right? Because it. No, he's a righty. He was fighting one off. So probably he inside. wasn't fighting one off. He was taking you the other way, and he just got under it. Listen, man. I guess perception's everything. Either way, my right fielder dropped it. Next dude hit a three-run tater off the hockey arena. Didn't just go over the fence. It went off the hockey arena. Yeah, that's not on you. Those aren't earned. 
Just relax. I, Why are you so hard on yourself? I, then I, because then I hit the next dude, and then I walked oh, the dude. Then well, I hit another you. guy. Oh, you fell apart under under pressure. I was three for three, you and then all of a sudden I gotta go pressure. in, and this guy drops my out. Hey man, when I hit that bomb, the shortstop who was like a junior, like the catch, the ump threw out a new ball to him, and he comes walking over to me. He's like, "Dude, I was a freshman." He's like, "That was a bomb," and I was like, "Dude, <laughs> shut up, bro." <laughs> I always remember in little league. I was in right field, and it was like one of the first years I had played, and man, it was like our last game playoffs, and the ball came to me, and I dropped it. Oh. And I always remember my brother coming to my defense, because one of the other team teammates of mine was like, you know, screaming at me. Yeah. And I remember he came to my defense. What did he say? Like the only time my brother ever came to my defense. Were you guys tight growing up? Twins? No. Not at all? Uh-uh. Did you hate each other? I mean, I wouldn't go so far as say we hate we hated each other, yeah. but we just we were on our own circles, went to different schools, even. You did? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit! You know, shit, we just had why? our own. We always had our own circle, of, our, our different circles of friends. But why would you go to different schools? He got kicked out of private school. He brought a bloody mary into school in seventh what? grade. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. With booze in it? Yeah. Well, I mean, you knew mary, how to make a bloody mary. Yeah. I mean. That's crazy. So then, and for the rest of like high school and everything, yeah. All mo- well, I went to. I I would be transferred out of that private school because of money issues. I think from my mom mm-hmm. and into the public school that he was already at, which was a fun dynamic to be the twin who's now coming oh. to the school. The other twins already. And you doing theater made the and nest shit. In. No man, you weren't. I, no, you didn't get into that then. Just in, after college. No, because it was my mom did. I didn't. I was rebellious. I didn't want to do it. Oh, okay, so what were you doing? What were you into? Smoking pot, playing sports, being cool, crushing fucking people in video games. Mega Man Run. I almost did. Let me listen to me. Listen to me, okay? I and I have Mikey Moniz, Pat Shelton, Shane Hall, and my brother. They were all there. One, one game, one life. I almost beat Mega Man Two, which is a hard hard game yeah and i almost beat him and i remember everybody rallying around me upstairs in my attic we we're playing on that little panasonic tv oh my gosh it was one of the greatest moments of my life jay well i mean how do you almost win it like you i uh, well i only i only had one life so that once i die that's it yeah damn i mean i remember like getting far in castlevania and being like check this shit out you ever play castlevania who are you talking to i don't know man i don't know what you you know of course castlevania too is what you mean, I think. Was there two? Yeah, isn't that Simon's Quest? Nah, man, I just know the one where you're trying to get the, the boomerang, triple boomerang. Just crushing yeah, people. Stuck with that whip, bro. You like the whip, huh? I like that holy water, man. That arc of the holy water. The little, that little arc. <laughs> Do it again. Blow up. That's exactly it, man. Uh, you just brought me back. That was the only gaming system we ever had. I loved it. Once that was over, it was over for me. I always remember coming to Pat Shelton's door, and he's like, I got the Nintendo. And I was like, you didn't. And he's like, you're right, I didn't. And he kept going, no, I did, and I didn't. And he kept teasing me all the way down to the to the basement where there were literally, because he was a, uh, Pat Kane was one of the youngest in a big Irish family. There were like 15 kids down there staring at this TV oh down God. in the basement where we would play WWF, but there we would never play WWF anymore. Nope. We would just play video games. Yeah. And there it was, man, Mario Brothers. Mario Brothers. Changed dude. my life, man. Changed everyone's life. Yeah. Um, wait a minute. So, I remember when my brother my brother bought our Nintendo. My mother was like, no, I'm not. 
Your brother bought the Nintendo? He's the one With who what money? It. He had a job. Paper route. I had a paper route. I couldn't afford a Nintendo. Well, you obviously didn't save up. I didn't. We had to buy everything. I bought my first bike. You did? Yeah. It was a Huffy? Schwinn Predator, bro. Schwinn Pred. Yep. Wow. My brother had a nicer one. His was $220. It was like light blue, front pegs, back pegs, lean back seat posts, roto handlebars. Handlebars push forward? No. You you guys weren't those kids? No. We we weren't good at shit. And then I got like a, my Predator was $117. White, it didn't have freewheel, like had like force brakes and a front brake. Yep. What was your big move? What was your bike growing up? So, my bike, Trek 300, I believe, or 3000. Mountain bike, fucking right when mountain bikes came out, like you know, like nobody remember. Remember, and it and I saved up money for this bike, yeah. And I bought this bike, it was my everything, Jay. And I went for a sleepover, I don't know, about a month after I'd bought it. Yeah. And my brother took it out of the garage to the dunes where he went drinking, left it there, it was stolen. The dunes. The Fucking, dunes. What a piece of shit this brother of yours is. <laughs> I mean, I still like hold it against him, I guess, in the in a way. He wasn't a piece of shit. I probably would have done the same thing. You wouldn't le- I mean, maybe you would have left it. My sister left my first bike out. I bought off my neighbor. That got stolen. Um, I mean, you know, because when you're a kid, you're not going to sue. You're Is that not your only bike? So you never got a bike after that? I don't think I ever bought another bike. Well, no, I did. What I did buy another move? bike, but it was a long time. go-to move? Could you bunny hop? No, I, c- I could go real fast. You could go <laughs> real fast? What are you, four? <laughs> That's all four-year-olds think. They all think they're the fastest person in the world. And yeah. you're like, no, you're so slow. I can totally, uh, I could totally bike with one hand, brother. Dude, my move was an endo. You remember endos? Yeah, you were up on that front wheel. Just on the front wheel. And, and you I, stop? I would just, yeah, I'd go up on it. I'd yeah. put my foot in the tire. Oh, I, yeah, sure, I, sure. I wouldn't use You a remember brake. you could roll it a little? No, I couldn't do that. What do you think? I'm in fucking Barnum and Bailey's here? <laughs> <laughs> no. And I'll never forget in like, I forget what grade we were in. I was leaving my buddy Rye's house to drive home. Maybe I was in like sixth grade. And... His sister was super pretty, and this other girl down the street, Jen, this other girl was super pretty, and they were like four or five grades above us, and I was like, oh, man, I got to watch this shit. I go, all right, guys, check this out, and I started going down the hill and was going to do an endo to show off, and Oof. I was moving, bro, and I flipped that whole bike over. Endo. landed on me. They all came running down like, oh, my God, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I got to get home. Do you have a helmet on? No. We didn't have helmets. Did you ever remember having a helmet as a kid? Never. Not never. once. Not never. Never know how. So, so, Rhode Island is one of my favorite states, by the way. Why? First of all, who are you? Because well, Newport, Rhode Island is an awesome town. I would go down there in college with my friends, you know, just like for a day trip. And we'd rent a boat and go out in a boat. And then we'd go and like go somewhere and eat lunch and then drive home. You came all the way down to, to Newport to do that? Yeah. What, does Rockport. It, Rockport. Yep. Newport, we go to Newport, the Newport Mansions. My mom took us down. I mean, I don't know if you know about the Bleakers or Marble The Vanderbilts. House. No big deal. I mean, I just know the names of the homes. I just hop, I just happened to help build that community. No big deal. You um, didn't build... That community was built... Are you out of your goddamn mind? <laughs> uh, my ability to walk around and put patronage and, and, you know, on the cliff walk. I don't know if you know about the cliff walk. I know a little bit about it. Okay, that cliff walk is, is stained those mansions, that tourism, and I'm part of that tourism. 
I took those walks. <laughs> you are such an asshole. Do you are you familiar with Rockport? I am. Is that the shoes, right? Yeah. They're from Maine. <laughs> uh no wait, what's the I think it what's the town with the little dope town in Rhode Island? Is it it's not Newport, but is it, is it Rockport, Rhode Island? No. What's the other town down there where the red parrot is? At the Bristol, uh, Middleton, I don't know, War- Warwick, Kingston. No, maybe it was Newport, but there was like I think it's Newport. one giant rock in the middle of a bay with a house on top of it. Is that Newport? I think that's Newport. I just remember that house like we were out on a boat. My just mouth like, just touched this microphone. Do you, you don't ever clean these, do you? No, no. Who was here last? Tom Is it Dan Harmon? Tom Everett Scott? Yeah. So I'm kind of touching you his just DM. just kind of kissed Tom Everett Scott. <laughs> oh, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Oh my gosh, I just got to kiss Tom dude. Everett Scott. I'll, I'll have to ask Tom if he kissed that mic. Um, um, let's talk about your movie. Yeah. Logan just made a movie. I mean, it's hard to say just made anything when you're talking about TV or film because the process is so long. It's like years. But you started, what day one of shooting was how long ago? A little over a year. It, it was um, like the beginning of February. And where did you shoot it? You shot it all in L.A.? We shot most of it in L.A. We did 20 days in L.A. And we did a week on the road from Las Vegas all the way up into Utah. For, oh, nice. Because there's a whole bus. The, the last act kind of takes place on a bus. Yeah. And you have Ethan Hawke playing the lead. Yeah. Ethan Hawke is the lead. He... Which is amazing. Like, dude... Ethan Hawke has played some of like my favorite like he crushes Training Day. I mean crushes it. Dead Poet Society crushes Dead Poets. I mean, was that his first movie, do you know? No, it wasn't his first movie. I think The Explorers were, was his first movie okay. if I'm remembering correctly. Now, all right. So I'm sorry. I'm I'm going to jump all over the place cuz it gets getting to me cuz this is like for you guys listening like almost every single person who moves to Los Angeles came here to make a movie and then they, you either fall into TV or I mean there are people like no I grew up on TV I love it but everyone I mean everyone I know that's like in production or does something else who doesn't do movies now if you go to their house there's six books on how to make a movie or movie make like it's such a dream it's such a this like and uh, it's a daunting daunting fucking task I've made short films that are five minutes and it took so much to get that done so this is your first time directing and yes. you've written many things but this is your first thing that you've ever got made that you wrote that's right I haven't written many things but I've written some yeah and I certainly wrote something before this and that's kind of why I wrote this was to go and be able to make that one yeah um, so what was it like getting Ethan Hawke? Was he your first choice? Were there other people you're out to? And then, or he just read it and loved it? Like, how does something like that work? Because it's not a giant budget. No, uh, you know it, the the process was actually quick. He was he was our first choice. Yeah. Um, and you know it it took it. You know when you've got somebody like who the had ca- the relationship with him. Well, my we share a junior agent. We share an agent at CAA, um, uh-huh. a, a, a great agent, Alex Maybed. And, um, you know, he was just, we were just going after moonshots just to see if we could grab a face. Because it's all takes place, you know, it's, it's all about one dude. Yeah. This film. Uh, a guy named Russell Millings. And, you know, the, it was all kismet because... We decided in the interim, while we were waiting on him to read it and see what he thought, we went out 
uh, Jason Blum at Blumhouse and Cooper Samuelson, who I had just worked with. Oh, you mean so you had nothing put in place and you just said, hey, here's a script? Pretty Do much. Like and then, unbeknownst to me, Jason and, and Ethan go way back. I mean, it, oh, I okay, actually cool. did know they went way back. I just didn't put it together. Yeah. Because they had formed a theater company back in the early 90s that was like one of the reasons I wanted to be in New York as a New York theater actor. Oh, really? Which was uh, Jason's, uh, their their theater company called Malapart. Wow. And so, and that was all I wanted. When I got out of school was to be part of that off-Broadway crew yeah. of like Peter Dinklage, Sammy Rock, Billy Crudup, Ethan, Josh Charles, you know. And uh, where were they all? Rockwell. They- they were just doing amazing work. They were pushing like envelopes that I I definitely wanted to be a part of. And but like how like so when you say they were doing it, they started a theater. Like for stand up, you can just like find mics and you go do mics and you start a show and you start working. Like me coming up with Sickler and Segura and stuff like that, all doing shows together. Is that what they were doing? They were finding a space and putting things up, or were they? I can't remember exactly. Like, I think they were. They used a couple of satellite spaces. They could probably speak to it better than I could. Yeah. Um, I don't think they had like a house, if that's what you're asking. Yeah. But they were just putting up. They were, you know, art, uh, Jason was the artistic director essentially, and they were the players, and they had great writers. They, uh, Jonathan Mark Sherman, and yeah, they just had like a crew. Yeah, they, they awesome. had their own like in-house like top-to-bottom crew. Mm-hmm. They came to director, writers, and actors and producers, um, and they were just like, we're gonna do it our way. You know, and yeah, they didn't need killer. to be on Broadway. They didn't even need to be off Broadway. They just needed to tell some stories. Yeah, I mean, they were rock stars in my eyes. Yeah, and that's essentially what I told Ethan when I tried to get him to do this. Was like, look, man, I'm gonna be honest. All I wanted was to be a part of your crew, and I was too young. And so I'm just this is my way of trying to work with you guys and just yeah. put you all in my films now. That's amazing. You know, and, and luckily Ethan is who he is, which is. Uh, one of the greatest actors of his generation hands down and a national treasure like what he puts out in it when it comes to literature theater plays dramaturgy independent filmmaking uh, studio filmmaking he ticks every box he works his butt off he's a family man he's a good man and he's an incredible leader and partner yeah, I couldn't. I could not have found a greater person to play the role and a and a better mentor yeah. and partner. Can you tell us the, you know, without giving too much away, you can give us the plot. Yeah, I mean the the uh, the plot is about a guy who's been released from prison after twenty years, and he's trying to figure out what happened to his lost life, and at the same time, he finds a baby in a dumpster, and she gives him a little bit of purpose and. He gives her a little bit of purpose. He kind of falls in love with her, and he makes a couple mistakes and has to run again. And I love it. You know, we find there's... And, you know, while it is a character study, there's definitely some story as well to it yeah. at the end. How do you even come up with that idea? Because so many people... For me, most of my writing derives from something in my life. I mean, him running with the baby, you know, that's kind of where you started but like finding the baby and stuff like that like how was that something that came up in your mind well it was I, I'm I guess we're alike I used me I mean I was lost as a dad you know I was I was a new dad and I had a little girl who I, I, I nobody gave me a rule book 
yeah. you know, and I had a little boy, nobody gave me a rule book, and I just remembered, like, what a wonderful feeling it was to be a father, and you're waiting for all those instincts to kick in, and they don't necessarily kick in. It's more of a maze, and you're trying to actually just stay an adult. You know, I don't know how you are, but, you know, I I, I feel like I'm more... I've become more of a child in a way around my kids because oh my of God. Them, Con- yeah, I'm definitely not a. I didn't go the other direction. <laughs> no, I'm not a real. I by no means. You like, know what yeah, I mean? I'm always looking. I mess. I mess with them harder than I do anyone. You know what I mean? Like constantly. <laughs> like yeah. You know. But just that, just that being lost as a father, and and how that that can be a very freeing thing, and um, but but the b- even before that. You know, I had written this thing and people were telling me to make sure I got something else down the pipe and make sure it's hot, sexy, fun, dangerous, and commercial. And don't write anything original. Get an IP. Get a source material. And so I was just... But that's not what you did. Yeah, I just did the opposite. Yeah. I just was like, well, no. Let's then do the opposite. If that's what everyone's looking for, let yeah. me show them something else. Well, it's great that you get people... I mean... I know just getting people to read a script in this town that are friends is almost impossible. Because it's just, man, you, I don't know. I, I always, it, I hate that feeling. I probably, I don't know who hates it more. The friend who asks to hear, hey, would you read my script? Or me saying, hey, would you read my script? <laughs> See, like, I don't know. Just say it, it just sounds it's, like. It's horrible. Yeah. It's a horrible, um, you're, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're definitely showing your ass. You you definitely are, and it's but that's the thing I love about it, you know, is that it's like the sense of community, of being able to share art and like, you know, that's what I I I've I've always said this. I would love to live in a college town when I like if I ever settle to a small town, I want to go to a college town because like everyone is there to learn and like they're bursting and like you don't look at LA as this like creative hotbed. You think of you always think of LA as like oh yeah LA it's like you know, fast cars and vegan diets and shit like that. People shit on L.A. But if you think about it, down at its core, everyone here is a creative trying to find a way. You know, even though, like, TV and film become maybe this commercialized idea of art, that's still what people are doing. And I love the idea that you can just find people that are your friends. Like, hey, can you read this? Or, hey, you want to go make this? You want to go make this? You know what I mean? Like, you got Ethan Hawke to read your script. Like, you want to make a movie together? I mean, that's insane. Well, you know, um... It, it helps that they wanted to make the same movie, too. You know, I've been For thinking sure. a lot about it just now that we're finished with the film and I've seen so many different departments introduce me to what the film is. Yeah. That, you know, as long as you can find a group of people, it doesn't matter if they're union, it doesn't matter if they're even their C+. You, I believe that you are much better served to create and tell a story with people who want to tell the same story who might be considered C yeah then getting a bunch of a plus people who want to tell a different story it just won't get made and Bruh, won't be good are you talking about the 2019 Boston Celtics right now where you got these guys that besides Jason Tatum that are like really good players but they know how to play in Brad Stevens system and then you got Kyrie Irving who's an a plus and all he needs is the ball but he doesn't want to play in Steven's system and they're not winning they're not winning because they got him doing this thing. I'm just saying. I don't want to bring it back to sports, but if you look at the Look, I don't want to I don't want to shutter. I don't want to shutter the window to anybody, Jay, but if you walk up to me and you tell me the earth's flat, we're done. 
We're done. I think he's off that tip, but you I think? agree. But everybody, but there's I, some others now because of it. I, I, we're done. It's we're, the dumbest thing that anyone can say. That the Earth is flat. It's the dumbest thing. And but it, it feels like anyone might say it. I don't think it's a republic. I don't think it's a partisan thing. No. It just feels like a dumb thing. Anyway, if you tell me that you think the Earth's flat, we're done. We have no more to say here. Nothing. And so, Kyrie, I don't even know who you're talking about. Exactly. That's a good point. Um, so, you got the movie made. You, so, first of all, you got to write the movie. How long did the movie take to write? A year? No, actually, it came out pretty quick. I, I gave myself a whiteboard. Yeah. And I essentially said, okay, here's the only thing you can't do. There can't be any sex. Can't be any drugs. No death, no violence, nothing. And we're and all, all I knew is the character was going to be a, a Lenny Smalls esque type character, someone who's kind of touched and not who's going. Lenny Smalls. Lenny Smalls from Mice and Men. Oh yeah, okay. Um, who is uh, um, disabled mentally, but um, uh, physically is uh, somewhat of a beast. Yeah. Not and not exactly those elements in Russell Millings in my movie, but I knew I needed someone who. I wanted the exercise of seeing, of investing in a person and getting the same amount of stakes out of a person who isn't competing for anything. Gotcha. Yeah, I like Do that. You know? mm-hmm. And so, I and and when you get somebody like Ethan, well, there it is. So how long did it take you to write it? I, I think I wrote it in about three months. Okay, three you know, months. Yeah, that's in, good. And I'm not a good writer. All it is is problem solving. No, I I'm know. not sure how you I how know. you I've write some of your stuff. It's and it's rough. It's not good. I have improved. I have not solved a lot of those problems yet. I can tell. Um, but I'm just saying, what an amazing feat! Because you know, I've written stuff quick, and there's there's a book, how to write a movie in 21 days. You could do, and some some things take over years, but three months, and then it takes a year to make it. And now you're gonna show it at South by Southwest. Yeah, man. Next, Premiering next week on what's the 10th. The date? The 10th. Yeah, we premiere at South by Southwest on the 10th at 830 at Stateside Theater. If you guys are going to South by, please stop by. Say hi. Oh, my gosh. Go by. So is it just going to play that one time? Or that's the, the premiere. That's, that's the, the world, world premiere. premiere. And then there are a couple of more screenings. There's one the next day. Um, do Q&As? And we'll just Q&As that's you after each of them. Um, is Ethan going to be there? Ethan will be there. Oh. Um, he w- Ethan won't. He'll be flying to us because he's on Broadway right now. And, and he's incredible if you haven't seen true west i think you only have the rest of this month to do it you should see it if you're in new york what, to what see is it? paul dano and, and ethan Hawke doing sam shepherd's true west oh wow it's terrific i saw it um but he'll be kind of en route to us when we're premiering and he'll be at the after party but he won't make the uh first screening until the next day on the 11th and we'll do a q a then amazing yeah he and jason actually have a lot of great stuff happening i think at south by they have an incredible storied history of, of their relationship is storied and them I together think, or them with South them by? together um you know they've been they are very close friends they have always been and they've worked together they've stayed they've kept their business together mm-hmm. and um I, I'm I'm so excited to watch them on the panel talk about it, um, and uh, you, so there's a lot of love there too, a lot of interesting uh, dynamics there just in their relationship alone. That's huge. Yeah, but um, yeah, so that's it. We're we're finished, and we are uh, we're gonna do a little bit of some some selling as we speak. Yeah. Uh, screenings for just some buzz for the you know this week and next before we uh, we premiere. Which, by the way. We're leaving coffee, and uh, today is your 10-year sober anniversary. That's right, man. And I, I hadn't thought about it unless you had brought that up. 
I we st- I stopped myself in the parking lot as we were leaving. I couldn't believe I was about to forget it. I I've been yeah. uh, I have not had a drink in ten years today. I haven't had a drink in six months, and so I was telling Logan before. I'm like, you know, when I stopped. I just want to take a break from drinking. I, I wasn't thinking I was getting out of control or anything, but I'm like, I just want to have a clear head. And I just felt like any time I would drink, I just wanted to be clear. And I'm like, I just don't want any booze um, or anything, you know, to get in the way. So I stopped drinking and I said to you, I'm like, you know, it wasn't like three days later. I'm like, oh, I feel amazing. It was like a month later that like, I'm like, oh man, there's like this clarity and kind of just like facing everything straight up. So 10 years must just feel like, I mean, what does that even, I don't know. What, what You had said something to me about what, what we said about booze. Because I had this therapist who would say, you know, you're an alcoholic if you're having, like, she's like, you should be having three drinks a week is like normal. That should be normal. You know what I mean? Like, I remember like when I was a bartender, I could tell you, I could look at anyone and I could tell you exactly how many drinks you had. You know what I mean? Like Kate would come home when we were living in New York and I'd be like, Jesus, what'd you have? And she's like, what? I had like two glasses of wine. I'm like, no, you didn't. I bet you had three and a half. And then she'd come back. She's like, oh yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Three and a half. And I'm like, yeah, that's almost a bottle. Four glasses of wine is a bottle. And she's like, no. And I'm like, yes. And guess what? After two glasses of wine, you're legally drunk. Like, you're .08. I mean, she wasn't driving. She was, like, taking cabs. But still, it's like, you know, you're just, you know, manipulating gonna, your she's mind. She's going to kill you when she hears this. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> Unfortunately, Kate, she, she doesn't listen. He loves you, Kate. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a long time ago. But, you know, I don't know. Ten years. Congratulations. That's Thanks, awesome. man. Yeah, you know, for me, I don't know if it's, a, like, a count for me. Like, a, I, we were well, talking about it. Even know. It's more like, for me, it's more my thinking than my drinking. Oh, yeah. Tell me that. You said that because I think that's important. Yeah. You know, somebody I can't I think it was on like there's these great tapes. If you're, you know, uh, um, in the rooms and and Alcoholics uh, Anonymous. Can I not? uh, What? Mm, Alcoholics Anonymous. 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 Yeah, I think that's correct. Anonymous. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's a whole other group. (laughs) Hey, hey. Um, I can't remember who it was, but they they defined alcoholism by sitting on a plane Next to a guy in first class who had just gotten a whiskey neat on the or whiskey neat, let's uh-huh. say, and I always remember him talking about watching this guy get the whiskey, and he had gotten his uh, well his you know spritzer because he was sober, um, and he just was watching this guy kind of working, reading, and just kind of stirring this whiskey oh. with a straw and maybe bringing it to his mouth but putting it down while he types something again and then bringing it up and taking a sip and putting it down and not touching it and the whiskey shakes a little bit with some turbulence and he realized his alcoholism because he couldn't understand why this guy was not drinking that whiskey. He oh, couldn't like, understand it. it. Why are you not drinking that whiskey? Yeah. And that to me is so that's that's where I lie too. I, I don't under you know, I, 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 I'm a little more black and white when I when I was an when I was an active alcoholic. Yeah. A little bit more color. Not much, but a little. In what way? You were like it was either wasted or not. Well, it was either like it was, it was like, either full or empty. It was it yeah. was a lot of um extremes totally. in life. And you know, those extremes uh, I, I myself as an actor, those extremes were really dangerous to lose for me as an actor i was really scared to get sober 
I, that's a lot of people because I connected my life, my craft, my career. Mm-hmm. I can, it, it, I had a relationship with drink and I was, I was really frightened it, about getting sober because I didn't know what it would do. Yeah. And actually it, uh, all it did was add color. Yeah. So instead of being just black and white to pull from, I had more, more hues and, and I, and I, and I can definitely tell you I'm a better actor. 10 years later than I was 10 years ago so well that's that's kind of amazing because I used to think the same thing about comedy like oh I'm not I'm not gonna be that fun dude who before shows like what's up dude you want to do a quick shot like the guy who's fun am I gonna still be funny and I, I mean I still especially around the kids like all I do is make things fun and enjoyable and it, I don't ever relate it to alcohol in any capacity and it was like I looked at it more like oh am I not going to be the dude who can like when you go to someone's house and they're like hey let's go have a let's go grab a drink real quick I remember a very successful comedian I was opening for years ago and we were doing two shows Hollywood Improv and it was in between shows and he's like I'm going to grab a drink you want something I'm like now nah, I'm good. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I, I just don't like to drink before I go on stage. And he's like, oh, jeez. Is this how it would be if you came on the road with me? <laughs> and I was like, oh, did I just lose going on the road with him? Because I, I wouldn't have a drink before shows. Because I just wanted to like have my mind right. Thinking, oh, if I didn't have one drink now, my mind would be clear. And now that I haven't drank in six months, I realized that's ah, not the drink before. It's like It was like a month in that I got real clear that I was like, oh, now I'm real clear. Mm. But like... Yeah, that was my biggest fear was like, oh, I'm going to be the guy who like, that's just not going to fit in. And people are going to be like, oh, well, we wanted to open a bottle of wine. You don't want to have a glass. of You can't have one glass of wine. It's so weird, too, when people be like, what do you mean you're not drinking? So you're not drinking at all anymore? Or when are you going to like, or friends, like good friends, like who we'd been hanging out for a while after three months, are like, God, you're still not drinking. That's amazing, dude. Congrats. And you're like, what do you mean congrats? I mean, 10, I guess it is congrats. I congratulated you on 10 years. Yeah, but you know, there's just one day. Yeah. You know, it's every day, man. It's a daily reprieve. And yeah, who knows? I could fall off the wagon day. tomorrow, you know? My my worry yeah, is did. always about my po- my positives. I've lived I've I've lived as a sober man through a lot of bad times uh, and lows. It's I'm more worried about when my mind's like, "You got this. See, everything's good." What do you mean? Well, just that that's when I might slip. Oh, right. Because if when I slip, it means I'm going to have a beer, put it down, and be like, "I got this," and I'm not going to have another beer for another month. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, it's been a month. I got this. Yeah. I'll have another beer. And it'd probably be like three more weeks. And I'd be like, see, I'm, I've had two beers in like two months. Yeah. I'm not an alcoholic anymore. And I have one two weeks later. And in about two years, I'll be a drunk again. Yeah. I hear you. That's when I quit smoking. I thought I could just go back and like a year and a half later and just smoke like on weekends. And I was like, no, nah, I'm yeah. a pack a day. Um, but that shit doesn't leave your system. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, have we, we already, already been have. swearing? Fuck shit. You don't, and there's no water here, huh? There's, you don't even give your guests water anymore. No, well, first of all, we're all, it's almost over. One sec. If it's almost over, I got to kiss Tom one more time. That is the weirdest <laughs> thing I have ever seen in my right? life. You are such a We're psycho. trying to do new things on this podcast, Jay. I don't know if you got the memo, bro. I, that I need all my guests to kiss that mic now? That would, I mean, I'm not going to say it's my idea, but. It would be a hell of a thing, man. It's Never funny. clean it. Never clean it. Because when Tom came in, like he had, he was battling bronchitis, and I heard he had that cold sore too. 
Oh, dude. Riddled with cold sores. Riddled. Impetigo. <laughs> Do you know what impetigo is? <laughs> I thought you said anacatigo, like a, a coffee mug. No, what's catigo? Impetigo. Impetigo? My brother got it in high school. I've never even heard this word before. Dude. Look up Impetigo. It's it's vile. Basically, he went on like vacation with his girlfriend and her family, and he got he had a cold sore, and he was I think because my brother and I both would get cold sores. Either you get them or you don't. My sisters never did. We always did. And the sun basically blistered up his entire mouth, all around his mouth. I mean, it was horrible, and. Like, it was bad. Like, he came back, and I was like, oh, my God. He looked like a lizard person. And he used to work at a salad shop, and he went oh. into work, and they were like, what the fuck you think? You're Get out Walk of here. Walk out of here. You are not getting me Get on the back counter to with pots and pans. your fucking leather face. Oh. So, all right. And it's in, in, what is it called? Impetigo. Impetigo, huh? Probably like I-M-P-E-T-I-G-O. That's my guess. Okay. I don't know. It might not even be a thing. Um, this was great, buddy. We talked about a lot of different stuff. Yeah, we uh, we hit a lot of uh, we we ticked some boxes today. Maybe all your Q and As at South by you should lay down for them. Because should I? You're very relaxed. Yeah, it's going to be like the talk of of South by. Be kind of great, wouldn't it? They'll have all these director chairs out, and then just one just couch. Me here. <laughs> <laughs> be careful. Ethan, I was like, hey, I mean, he's just a creative guy. Yeah. Well, at least they'll have water for me. Um. Well. Well, let, let's get you some water, and uh, <laughs> let's check out your um, the movie. Yeah, do you I, even say the name? Yeah, well, no, it's, I can say everything now. Um, the movie's called Adopt a Highway. Adopt a Highway. That's yeah, right. and it's um, it's a Blumhouse film, but it's not a genre. Um, it's more of a Tender Mercies, and um, Ethan Hawke is the lead. It's great. Um, it's an incredible cast of surrounding players, and uh, we're gonna premiere. We're gonna world premiere at South by, and hopefully, we'll be in your theaters soon. Yeah, and um, what what are you on Instagram? So, like, if people are gonna follow you to find out, what, like, if that does get di- or when it gets distribution, you'll be promoting stuff like that. Yeah, you can find all of that info because I keep it right now. There's even a link on my Instagram at LMG. That's E L E. M-G-Y, and um, you can find more information in, the, in my bio there, and obviously there'll be uh, some more Instagram posts regarding Yeah, it. check him out. And he's got a great Instagram feed because you're very artistic. Thanks, Jay. And uh, you have interesting, you catch cool pics, you know what I mean? Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I buy I them. Rain on a Windshield. And he titles them all, too, like they're pieces. Rain on a Windshield was one of my favorites <laughs> from May of 2017. <laughs> Uh, All right, buddy. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, man. It's been great. That's it, everybody. That's my boy, Logan Marshall Green. I love him to death. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Tune in next week as we continue the through line and explore new things, new conversation with new people.